This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Bypassing BC. That would be a real missed opportunity for him to not come here to the Congo de Schwabmark. Details revealed of the Pope's upcoming visit to Canada with one major stop missing. Bracing for another spike in gas prices. Oh my God, it's going crazy. It's unaffordable right now. Government should do something. What experts say the weekend will bring and the growing political pressure. And causing mayhem in the capital city. You had a 70-year-old man minding his own business. Uh, sworn by a group of 25 youths. A disturbing uptick in youth violence in Victoria. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. It's official. Pope Francis is coming to Canada this summer. The historic five-day visit focused on reconciliation with stops in Alberta, Quebec and Nunavut. But missing from the itinerary is B.C. And as Catherine Urquhart reports, Indigenous leaders here say that's a missed opportunity. When Pope Francis visits Canada July 24th to 29th, he will travel to Edmonton, Quebec City, and Iqaluit, but he will not make any stops in B.C. Many First Nations are deeply disappointed, notably in Kamloops, where more than 200 unmarked graves are believed to be located. I know that the residential school here in the Kamloops has impacted not only our community, but 203 First Nations across British Columbia. And to me, that is, has a very large impact. To Kamloops Tshwetmnik, Chief Casimir and others visited the Vatican last month, and Pope Francis gave a historic apology for the Catholic Church's role in Canada's residential schools. Chief Casimir had invited the Pope to visit Kamloops. There's a lot of issues of the Pope not visiting B.C., and it's really a slap in the face to many of our caretaker communities that have residential schools. While some are hoping the 85-year-old pontiff will reconsider his itinerary, it appears unlikely. Once the announcement's made by the Vatican, it, it, it's final, for sure. Uh, I, but I, I would hope that people wouldn't misinterpret the intention behind this. The, the encounter that the Indigenous had with the Holy Father in Rome, I think, showed everybody very, very clearly uh, the heart that this Pope has for Indigenous peoples. In Williams Lake, where there are more than 90 elders over the age of 60, thoughts are turning to how they can transport those elders to Edmonton. It's a historic event. You know, it's something that our elders are going to want to participate in. If our elders want to go, we want to support that. So we will be taking a contingent over if that's what they'd like to do. Details of Pope Francis's visit are yet to be released. But while here, he is expected to make a formal apology for the church's involvement in residential schools. Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
Survivors of the 60s scoop say it feels like the final payment in a class action settlement is being dragged out far too long. Through the 1960s, an estimated 25 to 30,000 Indigenous children were taken from their families and communities and either put up for adoption or placed into government care. Following a class action lawsuit, an $800 million settlement was announced in 2017, with Scoop survivors to get at least $25,000 in compensation. While most claimants have received their first settlement payment, many of them, like Pauline Van Kool, say they're getting the runaround in getting the rest of the money. It's been years now that we're, we've been waiting and it, you know, enough's enough. Like, what is it? Are they earning money uh, or interest on the money? Uh, what do they get? You know, these are questions they won't answer. And every time I phone them, there's always an excuse. We've been waiting for compensation since um, uh, 2019, and we've waited for three years for, for the 25000 that unfortunately is the least amount that we will be getting for loss of culture. Nearly 15,000 people have signed an online petition calling for the payment process to be sped up. A lawyer working on the case says the delay is due to the complexity of how the compensation fund is set up. And we understand these stories may be triggering for our viewers, and there is support available for survivors and their families. The number is toll-free, 24 hours a day, and you can speak in confidence, 1-800-721-0066. Well, gas prices continue to rise in Metro Vancouver and are expected to soar to another all-time high this weekend. As Richard Zussman reports, that has the B.C. Liberals calling on the province to provide relief for drivers and take away some of the pain at the pumps. The click of the gas pump, meaning a lot of clicks of the cash register. Insane. can barely see your friends because like, gas prices are going up and you got to save money. Vancouver is expensive enough already. Yeah. And like they do nothing about anything. No, nobody wants to come in and get gas. Sorry to interrupt you here, I know you're busy. And that is where Kevin Falcon is hoping to step in. The leader of the B.C. Liberals at the pumps Friday, trying to fuel the province to act. And I'm asking the provincial Calling on the NDP to temporarily suspend some provincial gas taxes. Go look at Alberta. Jason Kenney did it. He reduced the gas taxes 13 cents a litre. There has not been. Uh, uh, none of the gas companies have now taken up that room. On Monday, gas hit 222.9 per litre in Metro Vancouver, down to 216.9 on Friday. But analysts say they expect the price to jump to 227.9 cents a litre Saturday and a staggering 233.9 cents per litre by Sunday. Falcon hearing this from drivers. Nobody can afford these prices. You know, like... Uh it's just drives you into the poorhouse. Premier John Horgan says he's more concerned about inflation than he is about gas prices and won't be taking the Liberal suggestion. You can't solve that by just taking a penny or two here. You need to solve that by encouraging people to find other ways to move around, which they are doing. The province currently working on a plan to address those inflationary pressures, but for now encouraging people to use alternative forms of transportation or hitch a ride with a friend to beat these gas prices. We will have measures to reduce costs for people, but right now I encourage people to uh, 
think before you hop in the car. Do you need to make that trip? Is there a way you can do it with a neighbor or uh, someone who's going by? Without inflationary help may come, there's no timeline. Just like there seems to be no top end for how high these prices will climb. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. All right, let's bring in our Keith Baldry to talk more about this, you know, safely seated in the legislature, not on a scooter <laughs> like Richard. Yeah. Uh, Keith, the, like premier, the premier's comments on this are rubbing some people the wrong way. Yes, once again, he's repeating what he said a few weeks ago. Back then, he said you can take a bus, take transit if you can't afford uh, to drive your car. Today's comments, again, getting a pretty rough ride on social media, notably Twitter. The BC Liberals are having some fun with this at his expense, uh, calling him out saying not everyone can take uh, uh, get a, a ride from a friend to go to a doctor's appointment or, or childcare and such uh, activities such as that. So, Kevin Falcon takes his place in the legislature on Monday, the new BC Liberal leader. I'll go out on a limb, Sophie, and, and predict this will be the first thing Falcon raises in question period on Monday afternoon. He'll read the Premier's comments back to him, assuming he's in the House, and they'll go at it, uh, opposition leader and the Premier, for the first time over the critical issue of gas prices. Affects a lot of British Columbians, a lot of voters, so I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more about this in the days to come. Keith, thank you. The demand for food banks has grown during the pandemic, and with rising costs across the board, the need for food security continues to grow. But now charities can no longer keep up. Paul Johnson tells us why. At City Reach Care Society in East Van, Cheryl McManus has taken pride in being able to provide food hampers for those in need. The need has grown enormously. We saw a huge increase in demand for our program at the onset of the COVID pandemic. COVID saw City Reach go from supporting 100 families a week to 1,000. Exponential growth that they've just barely met. Now inflation is sending more families their way than they're able to help. Unfortunately, we got to the point where we could no longer accept new families, new guests into our program. So we've had to close our doors to those in the community that are looking for support that we just haven't been able to keep up with. And what Cheryl is seeing at City Reach may be a sign of where the country is headed in the next few months. As Canadians grapple with two forces they've either never experienced or know only as a distant memory inflation and rising interest rates. When we ask Canadians what's the number one issue that they're facing, it's inflation now. A recent poll done by Steve Mossop's firm Leger found what he says is a shocking turnaround in views Canadians have of their situations, with inflation going from last to first place on their worry list. And the remedy for inflation, rising interest rates, making many believe they'll struggle to hold on to their homes. But 20% of the Canadian population is actually to the point with a two-point increase that they would consider selling them their home. Charities of all kinds in B.C. have recognized the changing situation and their ability to help. Spiking fuel prices have put pressure on groups like Meals on Wheels that rely on volunteer drivers. As the financial tide is turning, it's those most vulnerable who are suffering first. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. Well, the recent surge of youth violence isn't confined to Metro Vancouver. Victoria police say swarms of young people are coming into the capital on weekends to drink and do drugs. And in several cases, things have turned violent. The disturbing attacks in recent weeks and what some say is behind the bad behavior next on the NewsHour. Caught on camera, attacked from behind at Pacific Centre. Who police have arrested and why they still want to talk to witnesses later. Plus... 
it's so frustrating because I don't know how to stop it. A warning about messages that might drop into your social media inbox, how users are getting hacked and the struggle to get their accounts back. That's still to come. Right now, though, Kelly Ellard, the woman convicted of killing teenager Rena Virk near Victoria 25 years ago, has been denied full parole. Ellard, who now goes by the name Carrie Sim, has instead had her day parole extended for another six months. Ellard's parole was previously suspended in July of last year when the Parole Board of Canada received reports of domestic abuse between Ellard and her partner. In 1997, Ellard and a group of teens beat Virk. Ellard and another teen then followed Virk and drowned her in the Gorge waterway. Ellard was convicted of second-degree murder for the crime. Well, we've been hearing a lot about a rise in youth crime this week, and it's not just happening in Metro Vancouver. As Kylie Stanton reports, Victoria police are stepping up patrols in their downtown core after a spate of disturbing violence. Everything just burns, and you can't get away from it. It's been more than two weeks, but the memory of the incident, much like the bear spray, Mario Scalini was hit with sticks. My reaction was... What the hell is going on? Scalini was at his store here in downtown Victoria when a group of youths came in and began fighting. But when they were asked to leave, the situation escalated. We've been in this location for 23 years and um, things have changed. It's just one of a string of concerning incidents involving youth in the capital. Groups coming into the downtown core from surrounding municipalities, consuming alcohol and drugs at gatherings that are all too often turning violent. Victoria Police now sending a message. If you come downtown and you're committing an act of violence, you're getting arrested. In recent weeks, Victoria Police have had more than two dozen calls for service. On April 22nd, in the 1300 block of Douglas Street, an officer was swarmed after trying to arrest a youth in possession of a knife and bear spray. The following day, just one block over, a 70-year-old man was randomly attacked by a group. He sustained significant injuries to his face. And on May 6th, another four calls for intoxication, violence, and two disturbing cases of aggravated assault. This weekend, there will be an increased police presence on the streets downtown, uh, and they will not tolerate any bad behavior whatsoever. They're going to shut this thing down. They're going to find out who these kids are and send them home again. You want to go more? Vancouver is seeing a similar situation develop, perhaps the result of two years of isolation wreaking havoc on young people's mental health. But the question now is what to do about it. We need to model kindness and we need to be having very open and authentic conversations with our youth. The Victoria Police Department is partnering with the Greater Victoria School District to try and better engage with youth and develop long-term solutions. But in the meantime, plans for another gathering Friday evening are circulating on social media channels. Those attending may be arriving just in time to find out the party's over. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. Coming up, the devastating toll of last summer's heat dome. There was just so many calls that came in. With extreme heat becoming the norm, which regions and people are at highest risk? Also ahead, federal help for wildfire seasons, past, present and future. What Ottawa is offering next. Just waiting for a tow truck to arrive on scene to this stall in New Westminster. It's eastbound on East Columbia, just at Richmond Street in the right lane. Traffic is a little backed up. Through a new charitable partnership between Kermac Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermac Collision and Auto Glass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Centre. 
I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a stall in New Westminster. This May, join me for the BC Cancer Foundation's Workout to Conquer Cancer. Sign up on your own or as a team, and let's move every day this May and help change cancer outcomes. Register today at workouttoconquercancer.ca. A big change is coming in the way B.C. will deal with wildfires in the future. That news coming in a major government funding announcement today. As Aaron MacArthur reports, First Nations will play a larger role in how we prepare for fires and how we fight them. It's been nearly a year and the destruction in Lytton is still hard to fully comprehend. Across B.C., the damage from forest fires totaled more than 8,500 square kilometres burned with the provincial government spending more than half a billion dollars fighting those fires. The third worst fire season ever. Friday, the federal government announced measures to help pay for some of that damage and to provide help for future fire seasons. And I'm very hopeful that our experience here in British Columbia is going to help inform our responses right across the country. The federal government will expedite payment of $416 million to help with rebuilding from last year. $24 million specifically set aside for the Lytton First Nation to rebuild. It's often Indigenous communities that are in the front lines of these climate disasters. Ministers also re-announced money that was allocated in the federal budget for fire mitigation. $17.5 million will be available for First Nations communities to enhance their emergency preparedness. Half a billion dollars set aside to hire a thousand more firefighters, incorporating traditional indigenous knowledge, and allow provinces, territories, and First Nations to purchase new firefighting equipment. I've heard it over and over again from First Nations communities that want to be the responders. They want to be trained to be first on scene of a lightning strike to control a fire or also involved in their fuel mitigation programs. Despite a cooler than typical spring, the interior has also been drier. Fire season well underway in this province. 106 forest fires already recorded in 2022. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. After an entire day of work and a big haul to the landfill, a former squatter's camp in the bush near the Big White Ski Resort has almost been cleaned up. Our license plates say beautiful British Columbia, but you tell me if that's beautiful. This is what the squatters camp looked like on Wednesday when volunteers and the Okanagan Forest Task Force arrived to clean it up. It's located off Big White Road between the ski resort and Highway 33. The mess included personal belongings, garbage, furniture, drug paraphernalia, as well as three vehicles and two travel trailers. But after the cleanup, things are starting to look better. The Okanagan Forest Task Force is now working on a plan to remove those travel trailers. License plates found at the scene are being handed over to the RCMP to try to determine who may have been responsible for the mess. Coming up, stealing social media. The crime business and Instagram have got nothing. They're not putting anything to stop it. When hackers stole her account, how she turned to Global News to help get it back. And up next, a suspect arrested in a random attack. Why police are still appealing for witnesses. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. 
Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Good evening. Waiting for emergency crews to arrive on scene to a two-car crash here in Richmond. It's westbound on the east-west connector just before the S-curve in the left lane. Traffic is backed up to Westminster Highway on the approach. Maybe take Westminster instead. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $55 million plus an estimated four max millions. Lotto Max dreams of the max. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above the east-west connector. Vancouver police have released surveillance video showing a seemingly random attack on a teenage boy and asking for witnesses to come forward. It happened just before noon, Sunday, May 8th, inside Pacific Center. The video shows a man approaching the teen and sweeping out his leg, knocking him to the ground. Luckily, the boy wasn't seriously hurt. The suspect was then followed by mall security and arrested by police. 25-year-old Faisal Abu Bakr has been charged with assault. He's since been released from custody until his next court appearance. Police are hoping to speak to any witnesses of the attack or anyone who saw the suspect in the moments leading up to the incident. Despite ha- making an arrest and the suspect being charged, we really want to know um, what happened before or after uh, the attacks. So we're asking anyone who uh, was in the mall. There is, um, according to the video, there are people that were walking by. So we're hoping those people will come forward and call police. To the war in Ukraine now, and as the Russian military appears to suffer another setback in its invasion, the Russian government is turning its attention to Finland, threatening that nation over its push to join NATO. This morning, Russia warning of consequences and possible retaliation after its neighbor Finland announced it would apply to join NATO. Russia's President Putin previously suggesting Ukraine's desire to join the alliance is the reason he invaded. Finland's president telling Putin he is only himself to blame. You caused this. Look at the mirror. Sweden may follow suit, showing how Russian fears of NATO has given the alliance new purpose. In eastern Ukraine, Russia's invasion continues to stall. Ukraine's military said it destroyed a Russian pontoon bridge, as well as the Russian troops and tanks that were trying to cross it. And after months of bombarding the northeastern city of Kharkiv, Russian forces are now pulling back, according to the UK's Ministry of Defense. But even as Kharkiv grows more quiet, the city's subway stations are still packed with terrified residents. Lilia has been in this station for 11 weeks. She's only left a handful of times. What did you see the couple of times that you were upstairs? One of the times that I left the shelter, I saw rockets in the sky, she told me. When the bombs started falling a few months ago, this station offered a temporary refuge. Now, it feels like a permanent community underground. Daily life is organized. The tents have a kind of address system. There's even a small school for children. These kids are all smiles, but they only get a few hours a day to see the sun. What is it like for you when you hear the shelling and the bombs? I feel panic and I want to go to the bunker, he said. So you're glad when you get down here, you feel safe when you're here? Yes. But Kharkiv subways can be as much about celebration as safety. Yesterday, this pop singer entertained hundreds of soldiers and first responders, showing there are bright lights, even in the darkest of tunnels. 
Two downtown Kelowna, Kelowna landmarks have been lit up in blue and yellow. The iconic sales statue at the bottom of Bernard Avenue was lit up last night by the city in support of Ukraine. The local group Kelowna Stands with Ukraine held a rally at the site for the light up. Supporters then marched along Bernard to Richter Street where the gateway lights are also now displaying yellow and blue. The president of the group says it's critical to remind everyone that the war and atrocities are far from over. It's a way to get uh, attention and to remind uh, people uh, all the time that uh, the war is not finished. Uh, they need now our help more than ever. You know, uh, people that just kind of go on with their life and just watch the news, they lose interest because it's kind of repeating news. So that, that's what happens and that's why we try to get attention and uh, organize different events. The blue and yellow lights will remain in place for a week leading up to a day-long concert fundraiser that will take place Saturday, May 21st at Waterfront Park. Well, unless you have been hacked, you may not fully understand the extent of the frustration or damage it can cause, whether it's a credit card, a bank account, or social media site. Instagram users around the world are currently seeing an explosion in the amount of fraud right now. Global's Sean O'Shea has a warning tonight from two users who lost their accounts and their struggle to get them back. I would say like five years. It took me to kind of get to the point where I was. Alicia Davies is a Toronto model with more than 5,800 followers on Instagram. It's her online portfolio, key to getting work. Until she accidentally clicked an Instagram message one day and everything changed. That fast? That fast. In minutes. I was locked out. Hackers took her Instagram account hostage and she felt helpless for weeks. The hackers sending messages to her contacts, pretending to be her, trying to persuade them to invest their money. She tried repeatedly to get the account restored, says she did everything to reach Instagram's parent company before calling us. I tweeted Meta, I tweeted Instagram, I got in touch with Facebook, and I'm at a loss. This man had the same experience. I'm not getting any responses back. Kay Akwasi spent well over a week trying everything to get his account back. He was worried. I'm also a member of the Canadian Armed Forces Reserve. I have uh, pictures of my chain of command. I have messages between myself and uh, my chain of command and my Instagram messages that I don't want this person to continue to have access to. Right now, Instagram users around the world are experiencing the same thing. The company told Global News it takes violations very seriously, using what it called sophisticated measures to stop bad actors in their tracks before they gain access to accounts, as well as measures to help people recover their accounts. Other people will be falling for this, and it's so frustrating because I don't know how to stop it. After our interview, Alicia used a YouTube video and stayed up all night to get the account restored. Sat by my phone, sat by my laptop, and I just waited for the approval to come through. The same day we called Instagram for Kea Quasi, his Instagram was back with new security measures in place, like two-factor authentication. I feel relief. What have lessons you learned out of all this? Lock your stuff up. I'm just... relief. Despite what Instagram claims about taking hacking seriously and trying to help users get accounts back, Alicia Davies isn't convinced they're making enough effort. This is a crime business, and Instagram have got nothing. They're not putting anything to stop this. 30,000 more Canadians died over the course of the pandemic than would be expected in normal times. But not all of those deaths were due to the virus. Experts say heat is a rising cause of mortality that we can't ignore. Global's Jamie Marocker explains. 
With summer approaching, BC paramedic Ian Tate is starting to worry. He believes the system isn't ready for another extreme heat wave like the one seen last June. There was just so many calls that came in to the point where 911 was on hold for 20 minutes with people. And there was people that had lower acuity stuff that didn't get an ambulance for days. The 2021 heat dome coincided with more than 3,500 deaths over two weeks in Alberta and British Columbia, according to Statistics Canada, contributing to a near 6% jump in the country's mortality rate. Although heat-related deaths can be difficult to track because it can make pre-existing conditions worse, the head of the University of Waterloo's Centre on Climate Adaptation considers it the most deadly impact of climate change. And one that will span the country. The areas that are going to hit the hardest are the southern regions of central British Columbia in the valley regions, the area of the prairies, Alberta and uh, Saskatchewan bordering the United States is going to be particularly hot, and the north shore of Lake Erie extending on through to the St. Lawrence River Valley. At greatest risk for loss of life are those with at a home, young children, people with underlying health conditions, and seniors. We're now projecting that this stuff is going to become the new normal. Without more emergency staff and more preparation, Tate says more Canadians will die. Jamie Rocker, Club News, Toronto. Up next, a modern look at BC's history. Seven million artifacts are here and they need to be housed more appropriately. The Royal BC Museum about to undergo a major reimagining and rebuild, and maybe even a name change. Plus. Our fans helped us a hell of a lot that year. Reliving the fandemonium of 1982, 40 years after the Canucks' first run at the Cup. The Royal BC Museum in Victoria is getting a complete makeover with a hefty price tag of three quarters of a billion dollars. The current museum will be closing its doors in September to make way for a new, modern, seismically safe museum. The provincial government is investing $789 million to make it a reality, with the hope it will better reflect the experiences and perspectives of all those who have contributed to BC's history. The province is partnering with local First Nations to help with the project development and design. If we're going to tell our story, we have to ensure that everyone is included in that story. And that's the mandate and the mission. We've been excluded from almost everything for a long time. To be part of this, to partner up with BC and the museum in our own traditional territory means so much to me. Finally, the First Nations are being heard, are being seen. The name Royal BC Museum may also go. A decision on that hasn't been made yet. The museum's doors will close September 6th. The new facility expected to open in 2030. In the meantime, though, the museum will hold traveling exhibits, regional satellite displays and interactive walking tours in Victoria. All right, let's bring in meteorologist Christy Gordon now with a look at our weekend weather forecast. And is there any way we can stretch out today into the rest of the weekend, Christy? 
Yeah, I wish I could say that that would be the case. Um, I don't think we can stretch out more than one day. We haven't been able to in probably more than a month now, Sophie. It's been a tough go, and today was no different. I mean, it, things have warmed up now that the sun has come out, but for a good part of the day, we warmed up to only 10, 11 degrees. That's more like what we would see at the end of uh, winter. And it was feeling like winter on the mountains this morning. Snow on uh, Mount Seymour. Here's a look at the Coquihalla right now. There's a lot of snow on the sides of the roads, but earlier, today it covered this area and there was snow on uh, big wide sun peaks this is burns lake for example so i got this tweet from uh, what's happening and he he or she said uh, the best winter in vancouver i've experienced was in spring of 2022 and i thought that was very apropos yeah we're a good six degrees below seasonal now we are going to have a warm-up towards the end of the weekend particularly for the interior but that just puts us back to near seasonal values and then we're going to drop it again as we head into next week. Back to cool weather. Now let's quickly talk about the rainfall. Rain will push in overnight. Southwestern corner of the province. Rainfall tomorrow morning. Just a chance of showers in the afternoon. Hopefully some breaks of blue sky. Those of you in the interior have the best chance of seeing those breaks, but we're right back into wet weather on Sunday as the next system rolls in. So we will catch some breaks in through the interior regions over the throughout the day on Saturday, particularly in the afternoon. For the south coast though, short-lived if we do see any breaks, but we're really keeping our fingers crossed, and I've put it into the icon to really emphasize that we're hoping. But Sunday certainly looks wet, and I'll leave you with tonight's central windows weather window, which comes to you from Abbotsford. Uh, Victoria setting us this. This is spring just right now in through her area versus fall uh, when we had all the flooding in that area. Thanks, Victoria, for that great shot just to show us a comparison. Back oh to boy, you, so. before and after, and the after definitely uh, better. All right, thanks for that, Christy. You mm-hmm. didn't get the pink memo, Squire. Sorry. No, actually, you know what? There's a little bit of pink in this shirt. Oh, is there? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, <laughs> yes, there is, actually, right on this line that you can't really the see. The one line. All right. So several lines. We're coordinated then. Okay. Phew. Yes. What do you got for us? I've got Bruce Boudreaux making it official. He will coach the Canucks next year, feeling very good about the possibility of what is possible. Hopefully, we can leave off or start off where we left off and, and make it that... Uh, make it the dream yes. come true for next year. Yes, he was in a golf cart in Pennsylvania. Uh, the Canucks were 11th best in the NHL under Boudreaux, so there will be lots of optimism with him coming back next year. <laughs> All right, and later, Squire has satellite debris. No, 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 I think so. I think Canuck players as well. The uh, fear that Bruce Boudreau might leave the Canucks for another team who would offer him a longer contract have been brushed away with the news that Boudreau has decided to come back and coach the Vancouver Canucks next season, even though he will be in the last year of his current deal with Vancouver. Now, underneath Bruce Boudreau, the Canucks were the 11th best team in the NHL when he coached them and much improved special teams as well much improved when you consider how they were in the first two months of last season under Travis Green. Canucks fans immediately took to Bruce Boudreaux and more importantly, so did Canucks players, especially star players who had struggled earlier under Travis Green. Boudreaux's personal connection with those players was obvious and it paid dividends on the ice. I think if they believe you and trust you, and they realize that you care about them, they're going to go through a wall for you. And, and so it's, it's something that, it, that comes naturally. But uh, uh, 
at the same time, I know it's something that I want to happen. And yeah, with Bruce, ever since he came in, he's just been like a positive influence. Uh, just um, taking his time with me definitely helped me uh, turn around my season. He's just a really good person, and guys want to play for him. And uh, um, I thoroughly enjoyed playing for him, and uh, he's fun to play for. I'll say that. Boudreau decided to come back even though his contract is just for the coming season. Canucks management say he will be rewarded with an extension if he can continue to get the results he got in his 57 games this past season, something the coach is comfortable with. I want the team to be successful, and if it isn't successful, and then I'm taking a lot of the blame here for this. So uh, I'm, I have no fear of going in with one year. I don't feel like it's a lame duck. I feel... Like, I've got the support of the, the management, and we're going to go in and we're going to put our best foot forward, and, and, um, and I'm not going to worry about anything else. I really believe that the way we, the last 56 games, we were a playoff team, and hopefully we can leave off or start off where we left off and, and make, it that, uh, make it the dream come true for next year. Well, the Pittsburgh Penguins had to play this one without Sidney Crosby. This is game six against the Rangers because of a suspected concussion. The Penguins were up 2-0 at one point in this game, but look at this. How did that go in? little deflection by Mika Zibanejad. It gets over Louis Domingue. That proved to be the winning goal, so they'll go back to New York for a game seven. Zibanejad had a hat-trick in that game. Uh, World Hockey Championships from Finland, Canada playing Germany, the first of seven round-robin games, and it's Cole Sillinger. The son of former Canuck Mike Sillinger giving Canada a 1-0 lead. And Port Moody's Ken Johnson's on this team as well. He's played for Canada's World Junior Team, the Olympic Team, now the World Championship Team this year. Canada wins it 5-3. They'll play Italy on Sunday. Speaking of Italy, Italian Open. Felix Oje Aliassime against Novak Djokovic. Djokovic won the first set 7-5. This, of course, on the clay as they all get ready for the French Open that's coming up. Second set, Felix saving one match point here with a very nice shot down the line. And then another impressive point from Felix. But this is Djokovic he's playing, and as good as Felix played, Djokovic played that much better. 7-5, 7-6. For Djokovic to advance to the semis was not a good day for the Canadian Shapovalov and rescue also lost their quarterfinal match. Well, it was 40 years ago this week that the Vancouver Canucks played in the 1982 Stanley Cup final against the New York Islanders. An appearance in the finals nobody expected considering the Canucks were actually below 500 at the end of the regular season. But for the players on the Canucks squad that year, there are a lot of memories. Most of their fondest memories, though, involve how the fans of Vancouver reacted to their unexpected but magical trip to the Stanley Cup Finals. One of the most memorable things about the Canucks Stanley Cup run of 1982 was the fan reaction. And we don't just mean the towel power that started in round three. That was part of it. Another part was meeting the team at the airport. They came by the hundreds to greet their team. When the Canucks finally arrived, they were mobbed by well-wishers wanting to give their hockey heroes a pat on the back. I remember just about losing my tie and my shirt and my neck. To go, uh, and it, it was unbelievable. I'll never forget that. 
and that was a great feeling as a player. And it wasn't just after a series win. Fans showed up after game two against Chicago, which was Roger Nielsen's towel moment. The biggest reception, though, was after the Canucks played the first two games of the Stanley Cup final against the Islanders. The Canucks lost both of those games, but they got a champion's welcome when they came back for game three. Obviously, there was no security detail to help the Canucks through the airport, but they were protected by love. That was just mayhem. It was crazy. People just, you could feel the love. You could feel the, the support of people. We flew in first from Long Island. We're ahead of the Islanders. They came in behind us. I don't know how many hours later they were landing. We were still at the airport. They were back at the hotel before we even got home. The Canucks lost the Stanley Cup final to the Islanders in four straight games. But the players still got a parade, a public reception, and memories that will never fade. But I'm proud of my, my team, my organization, and our fans. Our fans helped us a hell of a lot that year. A lot. And that's, that's good. We won games because of our fans. Hmm. And that can never happen again in the sense of the airport greetings because the Canucks fly oh, their yes. own plane and they are at the other side of the airport when they land. It's nice to see that there was just happiness and no rioting. <laughs> there was no riot <laughs> after that Stanley ago. Cup appearance, that's right. All right, thanks, Squire. Uh, Squire is sticking around, of course, because we have satellite debris next. Okay, just before Satellite Debris, Andrewa is here with a look ahead to Global News at 11. And Thanks, Sophie. We'll have reaction from motorists to the Premier's recent comments about tackling rising prices at the pump. Plus, B.C.'s public safety minister has announced an automated alert system will be in place in June to notify residents of dangerously high temperatures like the ones we experienced last year during the fatal heat dome. Alert Ready is a tool said to be used by governments right across the country. And RCMP are looking to identify a suspect after an indecent act in Burnaby involving a teenage victim. All the details when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Sophie. All right, we'll see you then. Thank you, Anne. And it being Friday, it's time for Satellite Debris. Yes, and you know what? Even though this commercial I'm about to show you is from France, cars that talk in France, you can understand them over here as well. That's what I mean. <laughs> No, no. No, no. No, no. No, no. No, no. No, 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 Il n'y a que chez Volkswagen que 100% des véhicules sont réparés avec des pièces d'origine Volkswagen. Volkswagen. It reminds me of Menomena. That song? Yeah. Menomena. Yeah, that one. Old one from Snickers about feeding the earth a Snickers bar to make things better. And Burger King and the bugs you find sometimes in a video game. It all connects. You'll see. Grown men ride scooters. Everyone. 
texting dirty pics. Baby's named after oh. produce. Hi, Kale. The surveillance state's got brand new tricks. I am not spying. The world is out of school. So fast, we need to fix it quicker. We have a dumb idea. So good. We're gonna need it stickers. Hey, guys. What up? Snickers hole, it's working. Birds I've seen people eat burgers like that, actually. <laughs> Not very impressive. Okay, yeah, this one's from a couple of years ago. Pay very close to this attention to this commercial. It's for Skoda. Very close attention. To test just how much attention the attention-stealing design of the new Skoda Fabia actually steals, we left one parked on this ordinary road in West London. We wanted to see if its sharp crystalline shapes, bold lines and lower, wider profile would attract the desired level of attention. Will the 17-inch black alloy wheels stop passers-by in their tracks? Will the angular headlights attract the attention of other road users? Will a crowd gather to check out its fresh, sporty look? Well, not quite. But did the attention-stealing design distract you from noticing that the entire street has been changing right before your very eyes? Don't believe us? Have another look. Did you spot the van changing to a taxi? How about the scooter changing to a pair of bicycles? Or the lady holding a pig? Let alone the fact that the entire street is now completely different. Didn't think so. So there we have it. Proof that the new Skoda Fabia is truly attention stealing. Hmm? Tricky, tricky, tricky. Yeah, see, is that better than what's it called? Wordle? <laughs> I'm not have you up never played Wordle? No, I haven't played Wordle. Have I've you... seen people <gasps> post their results, but I've never played it myself. Christy, you play it, right? Absolutely. Paul and I do it in the mornings every once in a while, on the weekend mornings when we're together, because he's usually off at work in the mornings, and I'm all by myself trying to figure it out. But Rainy it's so fun. is a five-letter word. All right, that's all the time we have. <laughs> have a good weekend, everyone.